At this time, I'm going to have Roland come up, and uh, uh, Roland has a message for us. I called him last Wednesday, or on Wednesday, and he, uh, he said, I've been working on a sermon. And I said, oh, that means I better get out of the way. That's all I can say. And uh, I have told you before, when uh, folks in our church, you know, our men come to me on occasion, and they say, the Lord has really put something on my heart, I, I really, well, I say, i got to get out of the way, you know, and let them do that. And so uh, appreciated you back, it was just January, I think, as well, you were here, so it was good. And uh, yeah, so you have something on Jonah, at least I hope so, because that's the slide I put I in. So, I <laughs> okay, come on up, Roland. Okay. Thank All you. right, God bless. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Uh, it is a real pleasure. Uh, Pastor called me up uh, Wednesday saying that there was going to be no pre-meeting, and uh, the way I answered him was that, oh, I thought you were calling me to take the service. And he says, what? He says, do you want the service? So I said, yeah, I think God's been working in me in some kind of way that, you know, and I'll probably get choky like I always do and all that stuff, but it doesn't matter because when I get choky, I know that the Spirit of God is flowing through me. And he's doing something, a miraculous work that he never gives up on. So uh, it's going to be on uh, Jonah. And hopefully I can do justice to, it, to the word of God. Uh, I do pray that I'm not too long. There is a very, very important point at the very end. And I just, and it may not be that, it might be brief. But it's a, quite, quite a point that God's been working in me. And, um, and I believe in this world today, the way that things go, we need that type of direction from God because we get, uh, as this morning in this uh, Sunday school service, Chris, we get desensitized. We get desensitized to the truth. We hear all kinds of other things, and things just seem to fall on the wayside. So uh, this is, uh, that is quite the morning service, the the, uh, Sunday school service that we have for those of you who like to really interact and to learn. It's been a blessing. It's, for me, it's been a big blessing coming to Sunday school. It's really something. So anyway, I'm going to open in prayer because the one who deserves the honor and the glory is the Lord Jesus Christ and the Father. Father, as I begin even scratching part of the surface of the Word of God. I thank you, Lord, for uh, the thoughts that you implant in our hearts and in our minds sometimes when we're contemplating the Word of God. And, Lord, the last thing we want to do is bring um, uh, any kind of falseness. Uh, We pray, Lord, that the truth would come out. We know that it's truth that sets us free. Sometimes that truth hurts. And sometimes we need to hear it, but it's what allows us to move on. And Lord, to become, the, to go through that purifying process that we can be that work that you have begun in us, both to do and to will of good, your good pleasure. So, Lord, uh, just uh, allow your spirit to speak to hearts this morning, to my heart, because it's spoken already. Uh, and I give you the thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I'll probably get a dry mouth because I am nervous. Not normally uh, something that uh, with the Word of God and sharing it with brothers and sisters in Christ uh, shouldn't be nervous. 
because we're brothers and sisters, and I'm not nervous with my brothers and sisters. So I, this morning, I'm going to briefly go through the book of Jonah, but it's not going to be the whole book, so fear not, you won't be here till 2 this afternoon. <laughs> Although I probably could keep you here till 2 this afternoon. <laughs> um, as, for, as a word of introduction, I had had uh, uh, Jonah the prophet, and then I had the chastening of the prophet. And then I almost put, well, the message is the chastening of Roland. God chastens us. It's not always a hard chastening. But when he gives us a truth that we hear in the word of God, we need to come to a point where you acknowledge whether you want to move on. So in here, the... Um, we read, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah and the son of uh, Amity, uh, which is truth, by the way. <laughs> Amity means truth. And he says, Arise, go to, this, uh, to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their, has come, their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose and fleed, to flee to Tarshish, from the presence of the Lord, and he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, and he went down into, into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. I got a, I got a map. Uh, I think if you can get to the... Uh, and Okay. 2,500 miles to Tarshish. 550 miles to Nineveh. He's in Joppa, buys a fare, starts going towards Tarshish. In chapter 1, first of all, I'll, I'll touch on Nineveh. Nineveh was such a wicked city, and I didn't understand how wicked, till I looked up on the internet, grisly Assyrian record of torture and death. I could not believe how wicked Tarshish was. If you want for your own information, I won't say it here because it's so graphic. It is so pathetic. It's no wonder Jonah didn't want to preach to Tarshish. I mean, not Tarshish, to Nineveh. It's no wonder that he didn't want to, 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 to preach to Nineveh. That he wanted to go away from them and he couldn't stand it. And he actually... He actually tried to defend his case, and you'll see that in, in chapter 4, where he refers back to the Lord, and he says, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. You could relate it to maybe when you don't want to go preach to someone out here in our community, or anywhere in this world, for that matter. You don't want to go because they're wicked. You know what they're like. I know a man who goes. Goes to prisons. And he preaches to prisoners. People have committed wrong. He attended this church because he was a member of the church. Roger Labby. He has, he has chaplain, prison chaplaincy, right? And he goes to see people who are down and out. Remember, Chris, in the, you were saying this morning that you, didn't go, you don't go see the religious. You go see the ones that are down and out. Well, Nineveh 
was really, really wicked, corrupt, to the point that he said, no, I'm, I'm going to go away. So we know the story, chapter 1. He runs away. You start to have a storm because God says, no, 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 no. You're not going to run away just like this here. Even though we had a discussion, even though you tried to prove your point, we're not going to run. You're not going to run away. I'm going to have you there. And I assure you that if God wants you somewhere in this life, he's going to put you exactly where you need to be or you're going to suffer the consequence. His consequence was that he was thrown okay, from the ship. There was a big storm and his selfishness was so great so great that he rather not even tell them the cause that why all this was happening. There was a tempest going out there. There were waves. I mean, I've gone on the lake or you might have gone on, on the beach and gone swimming and you get slapped with a wave. And the force of water is amazing because you're being hit at, what is it, eight pounds per gallon? For water? Is that what it is? I think it's eight pounds. So when it turns around and it hits you, and you've got thousands of gallons, this ship is being rolled around. I mean, they're scared. Now you've got... The mariners are innocent. They're not saved, but they're innocent. They don't even know why this is all happening. And while they're doing it, lightening the load and doing everything that they can, you've got him sleeping down at the base of the ship because he's careless. He doesn't care about the souls he's with. He's so angry and really doesn't want to go that he doesn't care if he goes down with the ship. But does he? Deep down inside, okay? So the mariners, they lighten the ship, they do everything. And you know something? The mariners displayed more love for Jonah than Jonah displayed for them. Because what happened was that the mariners would not throw him overboard even after they had cast lots. God, the lot fell on Jonah when he was asked, you know, what's the reason? We prayed to our gods and, and, and who's your God? Pray to him, maybe he'll save us. Kind of hard to pray to God when you're in a defiant mode. God doesn't want to hear you because you're in sin. Person's in sin. So here what happens is that finally he tells them. But only because the lot that the fell on him. He didn't offer the information. He didn't try to save these people from going down into the sea. He didn't care. Now, he's a man of God. He loves the Lord. And you know he loves the Lord. Because God chose him to preach the word of God to a whole city. Even beforehand, when he was in, in Kings, where he was present, he chose him. But you know, he wasn't a perfect person. He's a man. And he has his fears and his angers and everything that he has to deal with. And some of us in life... We have those same angers and those same fears and sometimes we duck it. And sometimes we don't. We deal with it. So anyway, they throw him overboard. 
Everybody says, well, it wasn't a whale. It was a big fish. Okay, so it's a big fish. Or, or, or maybe it was a whale because I don't know how big Jonah was. He could have weighed 400 pounds. <laughs> it takes a big fish. That's not the point. The point is when he's in that fish, it stinks. It stinks. It goes all the way down to the depths of the ocean. And he prays to God. He prays to Him. And he knows that he's the reason, okay, why he's down there. Because he's defiant. And not only that, if you look at this picture, the only other time I saw Jonah mentioned is in the New Testament in some of the, some of the Gospels where it's referred to that uh, the wicked and a perverse generation seeketh after a sign, but it shall have none save the sign of Jonah. In other words, God was looking at a generation of that time, which was the Jewish generation, and he was saying they're wicked and they're perverse. And he was not talking to the Gentiles because he already knew that they were wicked and perverse. But he was pointing out the people of God as being wicked and perverse. The chosen of God. I'm not saying the saved. Saving the chosen of God. So what has he come to do? He said, yeah, you'll get a sign. The only sign you're going to get is I'm going to die. I'm going to go down into the depths of Hades and paradise. I'll be there three days and I'm going to come back up. And I'll resurrect and I'll show you the power that is in Jesus Christ. That's what he says. This is what he wants to prove out. And look at his cry. I'm going to read his cry. I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and He answered me. He answered. God answered His prayer. Because at this point, He's becoming repentant here. He's starting to know God's serious. You're going to deliver the Word of God when I tell you that you're going to deliver the Word of God. He says, And out of the belly of Sheol, what Sheol? Hades. And I cried, and you heard my voice, for you cast me into the deep into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Verse 4, chapter 2, Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The waters surrounded me even to my soul. The deep, the deep closed around me. You know why the deep closed? It was dark. It was so dark you can't see anything down there. It's so dark. You know something, even at Long Lake, like I said one time, it said it's so dark that beyond 30 feet, you, you can't, you put your hand a foot from your face and you won't see it. And that's a scuba diver that told me that. Can you imagine how dark the oceans are? Way down. And he says, weeds were wrapped around my head. While he was inside that whale, the weeds, that the whale was eating or whatever, or swallowing with the fish, was wrapping around his head. He felt like he was choking. He's in the depths, he's in the dark, and he feels like he's choking. There's no hope. But he believes that God will allow him to look again. He says, I went down, the, down to the moorings of the mountains. The mountains of the land that we look at and everything go so far deep down that in the oceans they're thousands and thousands of feet down. And he went all the way down to the bottom. My soul fainted within me. I remembered the Lord and my prayer went up to you in your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. 
where he was going to Nineveh? They worshipped the idols. They worshipped anything that wasn't of God. But there's a reason why they did that. But I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will pay when I have vowed salvation is of the Lord. Verse 10, so the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. You know something? One, one fact, I was just wondering, how much is three days in the belly of the whale? How far is it? How far did the fish go? Did he ever make it to Tarshish? Never did. A whale can travel. I took a gray whale, I took a blue whale, and they can travel anywhere from 360 miles in three days to 2,100 miles in three days. So where was the whale? I don't know where the whale was. It might have been right there going in circles. For all I know, all it says is that it spit him up on the shore. But from that shoreline to Nineveh, okay, he had to travel by foot. took him three days to get there. So where he was spit up, it was exactly the three days he needed to get there. And then, all right, God speaks to him in chapter 3. He speaks to Jonah again. And he says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it uh, the message that I tell you. That commission comes right back to him. You're not going to run away from it. It's not going to be forgotten. Because God had a purpose. He had a purpose. You're going to go reach that city. All right? He says, and then he says, So Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three-day journey. And so we learn that he goes to the city. And he goes in and he preaches. And he says, Yet forty days. And you'll be destroyed because of your wickedness. And if you don't repent, God will destroy everything here. You're wicked, you're evil. They're the ones, by the way, that thought up of, uh, and I read that from a commentary, they're the ones that thought up of putting a man in the sand, in the desert, up to his head, and to let everything come eat at the, at the feast. I mean, you want to talk torture? There's so much more than that that it's amazing. It blows your mind how wicked these people were. You know something? Before I got saved, God classifies me as being wicked. That I'm wicked. I knew that when I, was, when I made a profession and the Word of God came to me, I knew that in my heart I was wicked. I needed his salvation. There was no other way. I was 100% convinced that if I didn't know Christ, I was never, ever going to go to heaven. And I know where I was going to spend the rest of my days. That picture, this wickedness there, that's a picture of mankind through the centuries. I mean, we look around today, look around uh, and, and the people who kill people and the, 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 the shootings and the, the wars and the senseless things that goes on in our world today. Have we changed much from the time that we've been 
right from the beginning. We become civilized. We, we, accept, we become desensitized. We've done all kinds of stuff. We've gossiped more now than probably ever before, and we do it on the, on the, on the excuse of we're, we're having social media. Don't get me wrong. If you like social media, fine. As long as it's not gossip. But what do we do? That is nothing. I mean, we look at, we look at their shootings with, uh, uh, in uh, Nevada, where you have a person who turns around and opens up a gun on everybody. We have a shooting in the schools down in Florida, where we turn around. But there's something to that, and I'll get to it at the end. So, as we go through here, it says that even the king, they repented, and even they got in sackcloth and ashes, and even the king says, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, which is, this, this is 3.7, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by decree of the king and his nobles, saying, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. Fasting is, is, is a thing of, I, I mean business. And I mean business. This is what he's saying. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. <laughs> Crying to God. And, and Jonah's angry. He's angry. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Mercy, grace. But, now I'm going to get to the crux of the matter. I have probably six pages here to get there, and I don't even need them. Because the word speaks for itself. But it displeased Jonah, Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. They repent, he's angry. Doesn't care. They're all lost, they don't want to hear the word of God. Puh, heck with them. Not gonna, not gonna waste my time. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, he has the gall, unfortunately, <laughs> which he said, Ah, oh, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Didn't I say this, that this would happen, that I had to, that you would forgive them? He says, therefore I fled previously to Chartish, for I know that you are gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Wow! If you're a, a prophet or a believer in God, how easy it is to quote who God is. Isn't that something how we can say how God is? And yet, he's, he's, he's being sarcastic with God. I talked about this with you. I discussed this bit with you before. 
Didn't I do that while I was in my country? Well, but I know you're going to forgive them. I know you're going to show them mercy. I know you're going to let them go. That's what he's saying in layman's terms. You're going to let them go. You're going to forgive them because they've repented. But look at all the history. Look at everything that's there. Does God remember your sin? As soon as you forget, you, 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 you've repented, he, forgives, he, for, he remembers your sin no more. As far as east is from the west. And he is bringing back the sins. Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. To actually pray to die than repent. Rather than show repentance towards God, you pray to die. You ever been there? In some minor thought? I have. Where things aren't going quite right? Where you wonder what happens? Or maybe you're not talking with God anymore? Maybe you feel empty? Because you've let the ball down. You've let the ball down. God's been trying to talk to you. Brings people your way. Brings you to church. You might hear the word. But... Deep down inside, you angry about God, about something? You know, when you search your heart, you really search inside. Are you angry that things just didn't turn out the, the way you wanted it to? And the Lord said, it is, is it right for you to be angry? And sometimes when I look at it, I almost feel like saying, if I was God, I'd say, who are you? To tell me that you have the right to be angry at a decision that I have decreed. Who are you? You think you've become judge and jury here today? You think this is what I expected uh, from you? I asked you for a simple thing. You want to follow what I'm telling you or don't you? You can't sit on the fence. You want to be mine or you don't want to be mine. You want to be a spokesman or you don't want to be a spokesman? But one way or another, why are you so angry? Why are you so angry? So Jonah went out of the city. Makes me think of a kid. I'm sorry to say I had a family. I mean, I've had family. I've had children. And there's a rebuke that I might have had to do with my daughter or my son or whatever. And told you to go upstairs. And deep down inside, you're saying, just you wait. Just you wait. When I get older, I won't have to take this. And you won't, you're not going to scold me again for something like that. Have, has anybody here done that, or am I the only one? <laughs> okay. This is what he's doing right here. He went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there he made himself a shelter. Could you put up the picture of the, the first picture? There. This is a picture of a type of gourd. And this gourd here must, be, must have been genetically made because it bears five different types. I saw that on the internet. I said, what's a gourd? Well, I know that the, 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 the actual gourd that you have during Halloween, stuff like that. But I've never seen the bush. I've always seen it laying down. But what he did is he made himself a shelter and sat under it 
in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a plant. And some versions of that, it's a gourd. Okay? And he made it come up over Jonah, overnight now, that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. Man, oh man, am I ever happy. I'm out of the heat. I'm being taken care of by God. And this plant just grew. But whether he gave God the, the, the credit for it or not, I don't know. He's still angry. But here's this plant that grows over, and he's shaded. And I assume that in the desert, out in the Assyrian desert, it was hot. Okay, so here he is. He's sitting under there. and Oh, I'm so comfortable. I am so comfortable here. And... He really likes the plant. What it makes me think of, what it makes me think of, <laughs> and, and I had to do that, because I like to remember when I was a child. And right after that verse uh, 4, 6, I, I put, uh, he, and the Lord God prepared a gourd. So this was in the King James Version. It's a gourd. And made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. And under that I put my teddy bear. <laughs> and the reason I did that was that when I was little, maybe up till an age of, oh, I'd say, I can't remember, maybe eight, nine years old, maybe ten years old. I, I don't know how old I was when I couldn't get rid of my security blanket. But in any event, I had a teddy bear that had one eye missing and had a button missing and it was torn under one arm. And I felt like, I don't know if you people have ever seen Mr. Bean where he likes to pet his little teddy bear, you know, and he, you know, and he tucks it in. Well, I was like that. I was like that with that teddy bear. I loved having that comfort. And I know that children have that. And it means so much to them. It means so much to them because in that you have a friend. And at that age, with your imagination, you're so given in to a, a teddy bear or a blanket or whatever you want to hold on to. And then my mom threw it away. She thought, you're old enough here. You don't need a teddy bear. So it was thrown away. So one day I come back from school and everything else and she sends me to the garbage to throw the garbage away and my teddy bear is sitting in the garbage can, <laughs> just loosely. So I look around, how come she threw my teddy bear away? It's my teddy bear. I grabbed the teddy bear. I brought it back in the house. I hid it under my mattress. And that night I'd sleep with it, and in the morning I'd put it right back under the mattress. Till I was ready, till I was ready to say, okay, I don't need the teddy bear anymore. And I threw it away. But I had to be ready. Jonah had to be ready. He wasn't ready. He still had hatred in his heart. When you have anger, you possess all the other things that come with sin. Anger. Strife. You're striving with yourself against that people. 
And the Lord God prepared a, a, a plant, made it, okay. And he said, but as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm, and so it damaged the plant that it withered. You want to show me the next slide? There you go. Not something nice you want to hold on to. You wonder, that's all rotted out. And that's another picture of any other plant I could find that would resemble the gourd being destroyed. But you know, uh, the plant withered and it happened when the sun arose, God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, It is better for me to die than to live. In the kindness that God gave him, out of the shade, the peaceful rest, the cooling feeling, the things that you're supposed to seek from a God, he says, you know, he says, uh, He maketh me to lie down beside the still waters. What a refreshing thing. I mean, I've slept next to a, a stream. What a soothing, soothing feeling. After all that, he still hasn't repented from his thoughts. He's been taken out of the sea, out of a stinky fish, vomited up on shore, gone through the motions. Sometimes I, I almost felt like saying Jonah was going through the motions. But his heart wasn't in it. As a Christian, is my heart in it? And I found out that it wasn't many times. My heart wasn't in it. I thought I had to make special efforts to do those things. God brings those things on you. And then you move forward. To speak to people. To become involved. To become part of God's family. To even care. And then after that it says, Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, Is it right? Uh, uh, it, he said, Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, It's right for me to be angry even unto death. He loved the plant more than human life. He cared more about his things. Cared more about his situation than he did about all the lost souls that were in that city. Isn't that amazing? We were talking about the neighbors, Chris, this morning who were visited by false prophets. And we care. Then we care more because we see them do something that we're not even willing to go in and do. I related with that one this morning when you said that because it touched me in the heart. Truth reaches your heart. And if you want to take the truth and receive it, you'll be set free. Right? For ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. He didn't want to hear the truth, so he's not free. He's a prisoner to his own anger. At this point, he's so angry and he's frustrated. 
But the Lord said, You have had pity on a plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in the night, and it perished in the night. You didn't even have power over it. There's nothing you could do about that plant. This, going to the city, there's something you can do about it. You can follow what I've been telling you. And he says, And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern the right hand from their left. Did they even have a clue about salvation or God or prophets or anybody reaching them about the consequences of their sins, the way they acted, the way they conducted their lives, the way they persecuted people, the way they went to war, the way they tortured people, the way they did all these things. Did they even have a clue that they were wrong? They did not have a clue. To them it was like, this is life. This is life to me. But when they were reached by the Word of God, bam, the truth hits them and they see how wicked they've been. And they repent They repent with all their hearts. But notice here, and this is where it really hits. It ends. It ends. The book ends. Doesn't say whether Jonah repented. Doesn't state the fact as whether he agreed with God and asked for forgiveness. Doesn't say that he's stuck to his guns now, just don't love them. Doesn't say that. It ends. It ends right there. It doesn't continue. You don't see anything further on in the Gospels. Nothing. Do I want to hold on to my sin? What happens when I do? My story ends. I can repent of sin, but if I hold on to some of it, my story ends until, until I turn around, I ask God for forgiveness for the way I've been. I mentioned something a while ago, might be controversial. I don't know how people take it. I really don't care. I really don't care. I know it's here. This is wicked. But God's working on this here. And He's going to finish the job. Definitely going to finish the job. I mentioned something about the school shootings. It's been on the news. And when I sit down sometimes, I look at that, and I comment, I know because my brother-in-law and I, we discuss the news. And sometimes I'll say, Man, we're going to go put that guy in prison. We're going to go put him in prison and we're going to pay for him the rest of our lives. If we had capital punishment, he'd be dead and then we're freed. But you know something? Ten days later, I heard that the young man had requested a Bible. Doesn't make him saved. This makes them curious. But what it did to me, it pointed out in my heart that did I pray for the young man? 
to get saved? Even after, even after he's destroyed the lives of people for their whole future by taking loved ones away from them prematurely, which I, my heart goes out to them, I could not imagine what it would be for me to lose a child. But that's not the point. The point is, I became judge. And I do that sometimes. I don't know about you guys, but I do that sometimes. Because you see that atrocity and you think, ah, I wish somebody would just go there and destroy that whole nation. Uh, you think in your heart sometimes, maybe not you guys, I, I've done it. Why should we go out there and maintain the balance of war? And try to keep it from having war out in the Middle East. Why should we do that? Because somebody's got to do it. Otherwise it's going to become rampant. The Spirit of God is what holds things from letting go. When He's gone, when He's taken from this earth and the church of God is taken from the earth, can you imagine the horror that's going to be out there? Can you imagine? Without the Spirit of God talking to man anymore? And here I am saying something like, well, you ought to take that guy and you ought to just kill him and everybody's going to be happy. Well, I heard a young woman on an interview and she says, death penalty? No. Nah. Are you kidding? I want him to stay in jail for 30 years the rest of his life so he can suffer. Didn't I do that? In my heart, by not praying for that man and, and saying, ah, let's just get rid of him. I know there's justice. I know there's justice to be followed. Yeah, the man will probably get killed, and that's a consequence to sin. But even so, do I have the right to make that judgment and not pray for the soul of the young man who's, I don't know what his circumstances were, I don't know what caused him to do those things, I don't know the heart of man. Amongst us. I'm going to touch on it. Because sometimes we don't realize that we're angry against God. If we look real down, real deep down. I don't know where I put this page. Here. Just a pause. There's a pause in the action. <laughs> I said, what examples I said, what examples can you relate to which could lead you to be angry against God? God's dis, de, de, decisions and judgments. What examples? I'll give you an example. And if you're really truthful, search in your heart. The lost of loved ones too soon. You didn't expect it. I don't expect to lose my wife today or tomorrow. What if it happens? Will my reaction be of so much hurt and I can't get over it 
that I've actually, deep down inside, I'm angry at God for taking her away from me. I only lost a job, and I shook the fist at God. Why? Why? Because he said so. I know every step, every move, every hair on your body, everything that twitches. I know the way you function. I know the way you think. I know you're wrong in certain things, and I'm going to correct it. But I said so. You lose a child. You lose a child, maybe maybe you haven't lost him physically, but you've lost him. He's just not on board with you anymore. He's just not there. Do you have anger towards God? Is it in your heart? I gotta move on. You lose parents. You have physical or mental conditions that you can't deal with. And instead of praying to God and asking for help from Him and seeking His advice and being with His people and learning that you're not the only one who goes through these things, but are you angry against God? Because things didn't turn out in your family. Maybe you expected your children to do so much better. But they were your expectations and your time. But they're not in God's time. Prodigal sons, prodigal daughters. We have to be patient and allow God to do the work. We want it done now at all costs because it hurts us. But you know something? Maybe it's not getting done because we're angry against God. The crux of the matter is is as long as you're angry or you harbor in your heart or you keep it there and you don't follow His will, your story ends. You're like Jonah. You can't move on. And all it needs is, Lord, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I may suffer loss, and I hope that the very things I said here, I can live up to. And if I can't, I pray that one of you come see me and tell me, Roland, remember this, review that. Remember when you said that? It might happen. But man, if I can't count on you to help me in those hard times, then I can't count on anybody. I need the Lord I need to be on his side. This, by the way, was a thought. That when God does these things, I, I, I just feel that 
That's the only reason I want to share. Is because it spoke to me. So, I pray that I didn't offend anyone. But that to review. Look in your hearts. See what's there. Deal with it. Your story will move on. And God will bless you. And continue to bless you. Because Jonah never left him. He still loved him. But I just didn't see the end. I didn't see the repentance. So I'd like to close in prayer. Uh, Father, thank you for your goodness to us, Lord. Your goodness to me. Because the way you reveal yourself to me, Lord, sometimes it hurts, but it's so wonderful. Because it frees me. It frees us. The Word of God is living. Lord, we, have, we can have joy even in sorrow. It's not the end for us. We'll see you in the kingdom of heaven. It's a promise for those people who are not saved, are not believers. Remember that the end result is never going to heaven. Never being where goodness will reside. Never being able to see the face of Jesus Christ or God the Father. If you haven't been saved or if you're not saved, if you don't know Christ, man, He's good. What keeps us, what keeps a person from wanting to have that eternal set of values in his heart and to know that He's loved for all eternity? If you're young, do it now. If you're old, do it now. Don't wait. Now is the appointed day and time of salvation. Lord, we give you thanks and praise this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.